0: Miko Seymour. And in this conversation, I am joined by my friend, Dez Duran. You may know him from Team Christina on NBC's The Voice. Dez has changed and has grown a ton since his time on the show. And in this episode, we journey with him as he recalls what it was like to audition and compete on The Voice. Beyond that, I pressed Dez on his faith, walking it out in the limelight, and what things are most important to him. This conversation is a lot of fun, and it also has a lot of depth. I'm also sprinkling in some of his songs from The Voice in order to make you a fan before his new EP drops. But before it does, here is my conversation with Des Duran. Awesome, well, welcome back to the Altitude Collective. Uh, I'm really excited about uh, this conversation. Uh, It's one that I've been looking forward to for a very long time now. Uh, On the line, we have none other. Van D. Des Duran. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing great, man. I'm glad to be here. I'm excited. Yeah, man. I, uh, you know, like I said, I've been looking forward to conversating with you and uh, just kind of getting the listeners to know a little bit more about you because I think you have a lot that you can um, invest in the listeners and uh, just just watching you through your social media and and all that stuff, man. It is. I mean, honestly, you have inspired so many people and you continually inspire me. Thank you, dude. You're so encouraging, Miko. I love it, dude. And here we are. This is awesome, man. Yeah. So uh, for those that may not know who you are, Des, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are? Uh, Yeah. um, My name's Des Duran.
1: I'm from Shreveport, Louisiana. Uh, I grew up there. uh, Pastor's kid. I learned how to sing in church. Um, And just have always wanted to be a singer songwriter. So um, when I was about 22, I moved to Los Angeles, California and was on a singing competition show called The Voice. And then from there on out, I've just kind of been able to travel and sing and talk about my experience on there and and what I've learned kind of through the ups and downs of my experience in the um, music industry, my limited experience. And then um, now I'm living in New York City. I'm still uh, working on music and uh, enjoying life, man. I've yeah. uh, got a church up here, at a church called Trinity Harlem, and it's a great community. And yeah, that's me, man. I love
0: it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. So uh, talk to us. We're going to get to, you know, everything dealing with uh, being on The Voice and uh, moving around the country and things like that, but... <laughs> For now, tell us about growing up as a son of a preacher. Uh, what were the okay. the bad, the ugly, maybe?
1: Man, um, so I'm a son of a preacher who's a son of a preacher, and so my my mom's dad uh, was a uh, pastor as well as she preaches, and then my dad's uh, dad and and mother preached, and he's a preacher. Um, I probably could have said that way more concise, but, uh, so uh, I think my dad kind of understood the experience of a pastor's kid and and did a pretty good job of, um, of protecting us and never making us feel pressured. Um, my dad had a unique experience at 16 years old. He felt the call to preach. Um, I was never, never really had to be pressured by his parents to do so. So I don't think he felt the need to. Um, push any of us onto the platform or anything like that. Uh, Churches was just like what we did and it was who we were. So um, we naturally just kind of joined forces with our parents and uh, got involved, but there was never like an unneeded pressure. Um, I I think the difficult parts of being a pastor's kid is people, people just feel the right to come up and say whatever they want to you. You know, (laughs) they feel like uh, the church kind of feels like they, uh, you belong to them kind of like you're their kid, which has a bunch of pros. You know, my, my church family was the most loving, incredible, supportive people in the world. But you know, every now and then you get the person who feels like uh, they're your parent and they want to, want to tell you how to live your life. But my parents were pretty protective as to who, they allowed to speak into uh, me. I think one of the harder things probably was just the expectations, which I think come naturally. Um, I remember at like 13 and 14 parents bringing their kids up to me that were like two years younger than me and saying like, I want my kid to be just like you. Yeah, <laughs> And I'm like, man, you only see me on Sundays. Like I'm the worst kid ever. Uh, <laughs> but uh <laughs> and so that's a lot like social media these days but uh but no so that was like always the pressure and then like when I would go off to college people expecting me to be exactly like my dad and kind of do what my dad did when he was in college which was like start a major revival on his campus and so it's like just those pressures are but I think those pressures are real for anyone um you know the pressure to kind of live up to what your parents have done so I don't think that's unique to the um pastor's kid experience uh per se uh i just think it has kind of like a spiritual bend which can kind of get a little confusing you know when there, when there's a pressure on something that is so personable and uh personal and at a young age is just being developed i think that can get kind of murky you know yeah um rather than just being able to kind of relax and see where god takes you um but I, I I love being a pastor kid. I love, I still love being a pastor kid. Uh, I grew up in the greatest church in the world filled with the best people. So, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I think there are definitely more pressures and, and hard things about it. Just like any other kid has to go through, you know?
0: Sure. And uh, if anyone knows anything about you, uh, they know that uh, you've got a really, really large family you've got a lot of siblings right? i do i do yeah um so how many how many uh Durans are there uh
1: so growing up it was six and then we adopted my best friend in high school so there's seven uh, of us now um yeah it's the best man i i if if i have kids I, i'm definitely not only having one man i'm either having none or like six because <laughs> it was the greatest experience in the world and I think that helped too with the pastor's kid experience—is you know seeing my older siblings all kind of find their own paths and going like oh like I can be myself like you know my oldest sister she really took uh academics and and travel and all these things and took it very seriously and uh then my next sister it was music and and ministry very at an early age and then My next brother, he played baseball uh, and football right out the gate. So it was cool to have siblings that share the experience, um, to look around and know, you know, you're not alone. Um,
0: Yeah, dude, having a big family, I would recommend it. It's the greatest. Yeah. So do you feel, you were talking a little bit earlier about, uh, you know, feeling the pressures of maybe living up to, you know, a certain standard or expectation or even living up to, uh, who your dad was uh, in the past? Do you even feel that now, out being outside of the house, being in New York? Um, I don't, man. Okay. And he, here, here's the deal: I have just come to terms that
1: that's never going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> my dad is just like the best dude in the freaking world, and yeah, I would never even attempt to fill his shoes. He's just the greatest guy in the world, and my dad really encourages individuality and encourages me in who i am um i think i am naturally competitive so uh it is something that even you know with your dad you kind of have to battle back and you just want to like you know like take it to the next level which i think my dad wants me to take it to the next level too which is cool but uh no dude I, i don't really feel those pressures anymore i'm i'm 28 i'm figuring out who i am and uh what my calling is while i'm on this earth for this short time so uh yeah, man, I, I don't I don't really feel that pressure because I just I just gave that up, man. That's yeah. not
0: happening. My dad's <laughs> shoes are too big.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. man, I love it. I love it. I'm blessed. Yeah. So you end up taking a, a little bit of a different route, um, obviously, with, um, go, you know, going off to college and then yeah. uh, being, you know, on the show. Talk to me about uh, that transition. Um, maybe not necessarily stepping into ministry per se, um, but then really talk to me about your college life. And then how did you end up on The Voice?
1: Okay. Uh, Well, college life is, uh, you know, when I was a sophomore in high school, I decided I I wanted to go to Yale University. And so I sat down with my brother-in-law who was my football coach and one of my mentors at the time. And he just said, Hey man, I really think football could give you a shot at getting in if that's what you want. So, um, I worked really hard at football, man, uh, sent him my highlight tape and then they recruited me and, uh, went to go play football at Yale university and um, which was a huge dream come true. And some I'm still proud of just cause it was a goal I set and, and it happened. So, uh, but then, uh, when I was about, Well, I was going into my junior year. I was in football camp. I got a call from my agent at the time. And she was just like, hey, there's this new show coming out called The Voice. And, uh, you know, the first season was kind of a smaller budget. This season, they're going all out. Um, So we want you to come do it. So I left football camp. I flew to L.A. I had hair down to my shoulders. I chopped it all off. Um, Got some cool L.A. clothes out there. One outfit. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and walked walked into my audition, man, and I I sang, um, and and it, it went pretty good, man. And then came back, found out that I made it to the next round, and so I had to make a decision whether I was going to, you know, leave the football team and go out there. Um, so yeah, I did. I ended up doing it. I met with all my advisors, and they encouraged me to take a semester off and just go try. So I uh, packed up all my stuff, packed my dorm up on the last day that I was allowed to drop out and flew to LA man lived on a friend's couch for a couple of weeks until i uh went into the hotel for the whole voice experience yeah so uh yeah that was a wild a wild wild transition I, I i
0: was i was it was stressful but uh i'm i'm glad it worked out the way that it did yeah yeah so what was what was that experience like being on the show i mean obviously you are surrounded with other uh, other people trying to make it and trying to win uh, the show. And then also, like, you're literally in front of uh, superstars, right? And, right. And then you also have um, potentially America watching you and listening to you sing and, and and trying to vote for you. So what was all of that like? man it it was wild um I mean the behind the scenes experience you know when
1: you're holding in like the hotel and stuff uh it's a lot like fine arts. I don't know if there's any a g kids out there <laughs> but but kids are you know everybody's in the lobby singing really loud, and the courtyard singing, doing their thing um, which is usually not my scene at all, but I ended up finding some like good friends and uh, making some lifelong friends just through the experience. But yeah, then being on stage is just the most nerve wracking thing at all. Cause you know, you're in there for, for weeks, man, before you even get on stage, you're doing interviews, you're getting, uh, fitted for outfits, you're rehearsing with the band, you're meeting with, with a personal, uh, voice coach and then, you know, doing other stuff as well. So, um, meetings with lawyers, all these different things you have to do before you even get on stage. So you've been preparing for weeks. You've been locked in a hotel room, not allowed to leave, not allowed to have visitors. And then you just go up on this stage, man. And, um, it's a really intimidating scene. It's a, it's a big old stage, a big old, uh, room. And then you've got these huge red chairs, just, uh, kind of staring back at you. And, um, so yeah, the first time I went, I, I didn't make it, uh, which was really hard, dude. I think the moment you're waiting, your song ends and you're waiting for those chairs to turn around. is just like the worst three seconds ever. I just wanted to like run off stage. Yeah. But, uh, it was really cool. I had my family there and, uh, I was really disappointed. I was really angry. I had to, I had to be alone for a while, but, uh, I did feel this really weird peace and calm in that, Um. it was weird. I, I kind of just knew that singing and music is kind of what I wanted to do. Um, it was like a real solidifying moment for me, even yeah. in that, in that failure, um, which was, which was really cool, man. Uh, so yeah, that was my first experience with, uh, with the show.
2: Stuck on you. Got this feeling down deep in my soul that I just can't lose. Guess I'm old. Friend, and the way I feel now, I guess I'll be with you till the end. Guess I'm all.
1: Yeah, so then I just decided to stay in LA because I realized I didn't know anything about the music industry. So I stayed there for like six months and I was just like trying to learn as much as I could before I yeah. went back to school in the fall. And um, then I got a call around June and they asked me to come audition again. And uh, I just said, no, man. I, I kind of just oh, said, wow. no, I said no and hung up. Uh, I didn't say no and hung up. I just said, okay, yeah, I'll think about it. And I didn't tell anyone they even called and tell my parents. I didn't tell anyone I didn't plan on it. Uh, But then they had called my uh, agent as well. So then she started talking to me and we started to go through and uh, everybody I talked to was just like, you know what, this is the right decision. Um, This is the smart move. You know, you've got to go redeem yourself. And I still didn't want to do it, man. And uh, I realized that it was just, it was fear, dude. I was just scared to death of being the guy who didn't make it twice. Yeah, right. (laughs) So uh, I kind of had to just make a decision. cause I just didn't want fear to run, to run my life, you know? And I knew that if I just backed away from this decision, knowing that it was the right thing to do, um, that I, you know, who, what what else would I let fear decide for me? Mm-hmm. So, um, I decided to just do it just out a principle and, um, it went a lot better, man. I, I, I sang songs that were more true to me. Um, kind of spoke up a little bit more about what I wanted out of the experience um I was less passive and it it worked out a lot better man so I got to be on team Christina yeah and it was really cool um just the way God works because the first season I sang a Backstreet Boys song which is not my style at all um Mm -hmm. I love the Backstreet Boys but that is just not how I sing and um in between seasons Christina was working with a um with a producer that i almost signed with when i was 19 his name's dark child and um he was like hey you know this kid that you passed on on this season he doesn't even he he's listened to these demos and i had sent this producer uh demos of me singing frank sinatra music uh it was and different uh standards it was the very thought of you and smile by charlie chaplin and yeah Um, Another another song that my friend had written that's in in that same vein. So she got to see what I actually did. And so when I came and auditioned the second song time I sang a soul song. And then when she pitched me they didn't even show this on the they didn't air it but she said hey I've heard what you really do and I want to help you find your place, and it was was really cool, because, you know, later on in the season, she's the one who suggested me singing Feeling Good, right, Um, she's the one who suggested kind of putting, like, a crooner, we both kind of decided to put crooner vibes on everything that we did, Mm. and so it was just, like, really cool, like, because I think if I would have made it the first season, I probably would have just kind of been the boy band kid, yeah, um, because I wasn't going to speak up or anything like that, but then, like, It really worked out for the good because she got to hear what I could do. I got, I found my voice a little bit and uh, yeah, man, it worked out a lot better.
0: Yeah. I love that. I love the fact that, you know, uh, getting, you know, turned down in that first season really didn't stop you. Uh, And even though there, there was a huge potential for you to, you know, obviously not say yes for the second, that second season uh, you did anyway. And I love what you said, like, had I had I gotten in that first season I would have been you know labeled as you know something that definitely wasn't me I I think it's interesting how sometimes we can step into situations somewhat out of season and yeah actual actually be detrimental to our our future growth right so, so true. yeah for me and I'm feeling
2: Drag and fly out.
0: to New York City how did that come about uh
1: well dude it's been it's been a really interesting journey so uh right when I got out of the voice uh things kind of started to take off and then things kind of took a turn for the worse I kind of had things just kind of blow up with my team and just legal issues and I had I came home for about three weeks just to kind of like get my head on straight. And then my grandfather passed away who, um, you know, was the patriarch of kind of my whole life in that he started the church that, uh, my parents pastor now. And he also started the school K through 12 that I went to my whole life. So it was just like an interesting time for our family. And I, uh, amidst like all the struggles that were happening with me and my career, and that i decided to stay home and so uh i started being based out of uh Shreveport, louisiana and kind of traveled and sang somewhat but kind of just put everything on pause um just to be with my family just to get my head on straight and um work out these issues with uh with my career just legally and all these other things um so i, I had been home for like th- three years uh And I was starting to make the move to to Nashville, actually. I was going there once a month to write. And I was going to go to Nashville and just try and uh, do the whole songwriter route. Um, And then my parents invited me to come see my sister at a color conference, speak at a color conference. And I was like, it's a women's conference, mom. I don't want (laughs) to (laughs) go. And she... uh, she was like, we'll buy your flight. So I said, yes, of course. So I went up there and I ended up booking two gigs um, with a friend, Laura Michelle Kelly singing uh, in her one woman show. And that kept me there for two weeks. It extended my trip. And then I ran into um, a friend who was like, Hey, if you want somewhere to stay, you can stay with me for a couple of months. So I just, you know, I don't know. Um, by happenstance, I ended up meeting with a couple agents within those two weeks and uh, we kind of hit it off and felt like there was something there. Um, I've always wanted to live in New York. So I just, I didn't even go home, man. I just kept my small little suitcase and stayed. <laughs> and then two two months later, I found an apartment in Harlem and uh, went home and grabbed my stuff and uh, moved in to uh, my apartment in Harlem. And I've just been here, man. I just, I love the city. I love what it brings out of me. Um, I love the vibe. I love the energy. So yeah, I don't know how much longer I'll be here, but I sure do love it. Yeah, it was yeah. just on a whim.
0: Yeah, that, that <laughs> that's pretty um, that's pretty crazy to me. Um, the fact that you ended out there, ended up there, um, out on a whim, is that is something typical, like h- how you live your life, or was that kind of outside of the norm?
1: I, I think I think it's somewhat typical of me. Okay. Um, I think the. I think the move for the voice kind of started that and made me a little less afraid of that. Um, just seeing how things can just work out. Um, but also I just, I felt like I needed to, I, I felt like I needed to get away from home for a little bit longer and, and try this music thing again. Yeah. Um, and you know, you don't need a car in New York. You don't, it's very, very expensive to live here, but there are certain things that I, I didn't have anymore because I, that it just made sense for me to be here dude and yeah. god's been faithful um yeah dude i i that's just how i live and i don't i've always been just kind of like uh let's just go and figure it out and i'll sleep on couches and i'll do whatever <laughs> like yeah I'm, I'm just uh a free spirit probably in me yeah. Uh, yeah in the worst in the worst way <laughs> oh <laughs> 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 I just i gotta keep it moving but
0: uh no yeah yeah I, I love, I love New York. man. Great. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what's been the best and the worst about living in the city? Um, the
1: best and the worst. I, I really was lucky because I think for the first like six months I was here, I had a very romantic view of New York and I've always seen it as like, whoever gets to live in New York is so lucky, you know, like that's yeah. they're so lucky. I've always felt that way. And so when like really terrible things would happen to me, um, like one time I had a gig and I overslept and then I ended up at the wrong venue. And then I'm sprinting down park Avenue with a full duffel bag in a white dinner jacket and tuxedo pants. And I'm like sprinting like 20 blocks and I'm like laughing, like so happy because, (laughs) because I'm like, Oh my gosh, this is so New York. Like what is happening? Like, and, or like, I'll have people, In the first six months, I would have people like yelling outside my window till late at night. And I'd just be like, so happy, like laughing and smiling. Like this is the best ever, like it's 1am and people are yelling out my window. Like I live in New York. So, uh, by the time I figured out how things worked, um, that had faded away, but I had figured out how things worked. So I didn't really have that rough, like first six months that people usually have because I was like drunk with happiness yeah that i that i just lived there um but i think i think the best thing are some of the worst things are the best things for me about this place you know it's uh it's caused me to be to really fight my passiveness i can be very aloof and that doesn't work in this city yeah um you've really got to know what you want or you're going to kind of get stepped on and so it's really like helped me to find my will um I think there's an energy here. There's this, um, you know, real money driven kind of ambition, which has never been me, but I do love the ambition and, and, uh, it's helped me to find my ambition as far as like, what do I want to do with my life? What's my purpose kind of, uh, get off the lazy track. Cause I'm a pretty easy going guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so just all the things that I think would usually like exhaust people, here, it really invigorates me and brings something out of me that I'm really grateful to see in myself now yeah. after being here for two years. Uh, I think it's really transformed me um, into a much better, much more useful and active person. Yeah. Um, I think the hardest thing probably is the worst thing is just being away from home. Mm. And um, so that's really hard. And then two is just, is the distractions. Um, because I am such like a free bird, like just whatever, let's do it. Spare the moment. Let's make it happen. There's always something to do in this city. And so sometimes I'll just, it's just really hard to sit down and like do the things, you know, you need to do. Um, when like there's always something fun or somebody coming in town who, you know, so, uh, that's been something I've had to learn as well. So it's, 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 definitely just like a, a, a learning ground for me, man.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, when it comes to like being in New York and then obviously, you know, your family is, um, in Louisiana and, and Florida and things like that. Um, do you, do you ever get, it seems this way from social media, but do you ever get homesick and then just fly home just to be, just to be with your family? um not as
1: much anymore okay i i I think i used to do that um but but now and i don't know if i'm just older and wiser or i just like that's not practical (laughs) (laughs) people don't do that does yeah uh so uh yeah man i i definitely anytime i can come home i i try and do it um but I, I have, I'm trying to, yeah, I, I have been better about not just flying home all the time. Every time I feel sad. So yeah. just pushing, pushing through, uh, but my family, you know, we've got like a family group chat. We, I'm always calling everybody. And, um, I'm actually going to be, we're all going to be together next week. So I'm really excited
2: about that. Forever, My biggest weakness
0: Let's shift gears a little bit. I want to talk to you okay. a about your faith and living that out kind of in the spotlight um, and also like in New York city for yourself, like what challenges have you faced when it comes to actually living out your faith?
1: You know, I think growing up in a pastor's home and in a small community, you don't really realize how intentional you have to be about finding community until you leave that. Um, so community wasn't even something I thought about until I, you know, got to college and realized like, but even in college, I had, I had five amazing roommates were, that were the best ever, but, uh, just being very intentional about finding Christian community, uh, is like the biggest struggle for me right out the gate, I think was, um, just cause it's never something that I had to do. And I think only really only until recently have I um, really come to the conclusion that you've got to just find the people you want to be around. And then as far as like that are good influences on your faith and just be there, like show up, you know what I'm saying? Just yeah. uh, no matter what, like show up to whatever you can. Um, my schedule is pretty crazy. So, uh, at Trinity Harlem, I, I show up when I can. And, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that's the lesson I'm still learning. I'm not perfect at it by any means. Um, but the faith journey in New York and, and in the spotlight, I, I my, my faith journey has been pretty personal. I, I don't, uh, talk about it a ton. I don't think on social media. I try and, uh, I just could try and talk about whatever I'm doing. And a lot of times that just happens to be faith based things. And because that's just who I am. Uh, but yeah, man, it's been a journey, dude. Um, I think moving from a small town to a, such a amazing uh, school as Yale filled with people who from so many different backgrounds really did a number on me for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I think I was, naturally not by my parents or anybody else but i think there's a kind of like a language of like us and then them you know right yeah us versus them and i really expected to be attacked a lot in college uh for my faith and i really wasn't you know what i'm saying and i really uh it was just kind of like oh you're a christian i was in boy scouts you know what i'm
2: saying
1: (laughs) and it was like it was kind of treated as this like cultural thing um which was different for me and weird for me and kind of like, I don't know. It shook me up a little bit. And I just met these amazing people um, that were not Christians, you know, but they were kind and they were driven and they were other centered. And so that was uh, interesting for me too. just being someone who literally was only surrounded by people who were Christians to walk into that. Right. That, that sent me on a journey of, really finding out what do I believe and and choosing it for myself you know rather than it just being kind of what everyone was doing and what was kind of understood as the right thing around me kind of having to go like oh like do I believe this right like um and am I going to follow it because you know my uh, a lot of my best friends are not Christians you know and Mm -hmm. um So just choosing it for myself um, has been a journey and is a journey and every day, you know, I think it is for anyone. Yeah. Um, So yeah, man, I, I I try and be honest about that. And, um, but yeah, I I think the most important thing is throughout all this is community, which I'm lucky because I have six siblings And four of them or five of them are married to incredible people. So I've got pretty much an endless supply of siblings. And then now I I just moved in with my pastor, who's Rich's brother, who I've known since I was 15, Taylor Wilkerson. So I I think as you're going through the journey of faith and, you know, figuring things out and and reading the Bible and reading other books and just um, wrestling with it and surrendering to it on a daily basis you got to have people around you to keep you in check and also to um speak life to you and encourage you and just people you can look up to like i definitely look up to taylor my pastor and he's someone that i strive to be like um so it's cool now that i'm going to be with him on a daily basis Yeah. yeah yeah
0: has there you know whenever um you know, I know you said that you, you don't necessarily post about it a lot on social media, but when maybe you do, or uh, maybe you're talking about it with um, a group of people, if that ever happens, has there ever been any kind of pushback? And if so, how have you dealt with that?
1: Um, I don't, I don't know if I've really had a lot of pushback. I mean, there's def- like, I was sitting at a table the other day with a friend and, um, and he said something about, jesus or, or we were talking about politics and i said something about you know people who believe that jesus are coming back jesus is coming back and he said do you believe jesus is coming back i said yeah i believe jesus is coming back he said well where is jesus and i was like he's in heaven and he was just kind of like well he's he's gonna come out of the grave and come back and i was like well i don't believe he's in the grave i believe he rose from the dead you know yeah <laughs> and, and so we got and it kind of just you know as you can imagine spiraled into question after question and question and then he finally looked at me and goes you realize how insane you sound right now hmm. and i was just like and i'm not offended dude because yeah. it's just yeah. someone who doesn't believe it it is insane <laughs> and we need to just come to terms yes. with that a little yes. bit as christians and go like yeah if you don't believe this like i sound like a lunatic right. and it didn't offend me in the least so I, I think i don't i don't get as much pushback because i'm because maybe because I've been on the other side where I just had a really hard time believing all this. Okay. Um, I, I realized how crazy it sounds (laughs) and I chose to believe it regardless. And because I, because I believe it to be true. Um, so when someone pushes back in that, in such a manner, I don't get offended, which I think then brings an openness to the conversation where, you know, we can just all kind of like talk about what do we believe, and um, so yeah, I mean, there's definitely pushback as far as things that I already realize about our faith, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, right. So, um, and I appreciate people's honesty, man. I when when I have conversations, which are usually just with people I'm pretty close to, uh, to be honest, right now at this point, and I probably should be better about it, but um. I appreciate it was honesty, man. The last thing I would want is people to keep their questions inside and or keep their comments inside. Like I, I love open discussion, and uh, I'm very aware of what I believe. I don't. I'm not uh, under any um, false pretenses. Believing this, you know, I came into this with my eyes wide open. So
2: yeah, yeah. You know, I'd fall apart without you. Don't know how you do what you do Cause everything that do makes sense about me It makes sense when I'm with you Like everything that's green, girl I need you But it's more than one plus one makes two Put aside the math and the logic of it You gotta know you want it
0: Social media. And some days you are reminding us about your frequent restarts of eating healthy. Um, I think even recently, like you were traveling home, maybe in an Uber or in a car or something, and you were talking about like all of the food that you and your friend had just ordered in the drive thru or something like that, just craziness. Um, Some days you're sharing your thoughts on a recent book that you finished, which To let you know, I've added all of those to my list of books that I want to complete this year. Um, Yes. Really interesting. (laughs) And then there are some days where you're telling us all about how simple of a man you are. I absolutely love it. And one of the reasons why I wanted you on this podcast was not because you've been on, you know, the voice on a major, you know, on a TV show on a major network, or because you have... Uh, famous family members or anything like that man it's really because I believe that you're a good guy and I'm wondering um does that does that um does that get shown on insta or on social media specifically on instagram stories you know real life pull back the curtain for me who is the real des what is it that we are not seeing on instagram
1: uh, yeah man. um Instagram's such an interesting world just because um you know you want to be entertaining obviously um and you're and you're dealing with real people. I think that's like the big thing that I always try and keep in mind is that we're all like just real people living like real lives outside of the instagram twitter world, you know, and uh I've been really kind of honestly wrestling with kind of what do I want to show what do I want my message to be on Instagram? Cause I think my main goal is to be real and just kind of show myself as just a, a guy who struggles, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, right. I struggle, I struggle to eat healthy. I struggle to keep my mind engaged. Uh, which is why I start reading. Uh, I struggle to, you know, be a good person at times. I, I, you know, and I, and just trying to be, trying to be real about it, but also to be encouraging in such a way that, that it's encouraging, you know, like, Hey, we're all in this together, but also funny. I don't, I don't know. But I think when we pull back the curtain, um, I've and I've been really wrestling with how much do you show, you know, cause you want to be real, you want to be encouraging, but at the same time, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I haven't met, most of my following you know what I'm saying I, yeah, I don't right. know who they are and they and they don't know me they're just seeing snippets of it but uh yeah man I think just at the end of the day I'm just a guy doing my best and I mess up a lot and I struggle a lot and I you know don't have it all down and I'll look back over the past year and go wow I really missed it here you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. um. And I, I think pulling back the curtain though, I think it's hard to, and I've been struggling with like, how do you show those uncertainties? Like, mm. I, I think the biggest thing that I think people would look at my life and go, Oh, like, and maybe be deceived is like, Oh, it's always happy. Go lucky. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. like there may be mistakes and there may be this, but Des is always happy. And Des is always, you know, on top of it. And, mm-hmm having fun and da, da 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 which is you know definitely certainly not the case you know um mm. there's struggles there's sadness I, uh there's uncertainty you know what i'm saying and yeah. there's feelings of purposeless our moments of feeling like what is the point of all this mm. um that everybody goes through um so i think that's the one thing that i cuz i i think people all one of the reasons I don't feel the need to show that is I I assume that people know know that everybody goes through that. But a lot of times I I don't know if they do at the same time. Um, So I've been, I've been thinking a lot about like how, how do you support people and make people feel, let people know like, Hey, like, we're all kind of going through this and we're all, we all have our moments and, and we're all coming out on the other side stronger. Um, So that would be like the one thing I think that people would maybe be deceived about is, that you know what I'm saying? That it's all just like rainbows and lollipops over here. But no, it's, it's a lot, it's, it's hard work and it's, uh, it's struggle and it's growth,
0: you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How are you at, uh, relationships within your community? As far as like friendships, how do you, how do you do friendship? Uh, dude, um, that's a great
1: question. Um, I, think I, I think now I've been, I think in years past, it's just kind of been whoever kind of comes along mm-hmm. and whoever's intentional with me, which has been great and God has been good and he sent people around that have really invested in my life for some reason, saw something in me and just like having great friends. Um, but now I think at this age, I, I've been done better at just being intentional um about who my friends are about making sure my friends know that I love them um making sure my friends know that I'm with them and being intentional about my moments with them to where um they're they're special moments like we're not just on our phone the whole time like I'm checking in we know when we get lunch I'm making sure that I'm checking in I'm getting the 401 on how they're doing um yeah man I think friendship is something that I've been wrestling with. Uh this year as well okay amongst all the other things is you know what does it even mean to be a good friend because i think as a friend i want to be more than a, than a good time you know what i'm saying than yeah. just like a good laugh when i come around like wh- what does it mean to want the best for someone mm. um and you know what is my responsibility as someone who calls someone my best friend yeah um in terms of like helping them reach what i believe is like their full potential or and i think i've come to the conclusion a lot of and with a lot of my friends in that getting their heart hearing their heart about who they want to be and then reminding them of that standard in moments um so that way it's not my idea or anything or anything like that uh particularly because i have friends of different of different faith and um and i have friends of different you know, who have different goals and other things like that. So I want to be someone who at the very least helps them become who they ideally want to be, you know, which is more than just making them laugh every time we get lunch, you know? (laughs) So that's, that's been an interesting deal for me. Um, Just trying to take my friendship and my, and my love for those
0: around me to the next level and and really love them properly. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I I think um, it's really encouraging to hear you say that you wrestle, you're wrestling with that, especially this year, and you're asking yourself these questions. I think as men, oftentimes, uh, we kind of skirt that question. And we just kind of, we take the route of just being the funny one, you know, and the one that kind of brings jokes and things like that. But to really solidify these relationships, these friendships with uh, with value, with intentionality um, I think that's when that's when men really step into um, a lot of what they 've been designed to um, to be and and um, to do in their lives, which is really um, get, kind of lead, right? Um, lead yeah. in, in, a, in a way that's bringing people along that's checking in with someone that you say, you know, you love and you want to do life with, and, uh, and help to inspire or help to just simply um, be a shoulder, you know, for somebody to, uh, to lean on. Definitely, man, I I think it's all about just
1: getting getting in the boat with people for lack of a better metaphor, just like getting in their life getting in their shoes getting down and dirty with them and then and then figuring out where they want to go and then helping them and helping them get there and um yeah because i think i found myself getting a little bit apathetic Mm. in that it was kind of like yeah whatever you want to do cool like whatever any decisions that came up i wouldn't even like kind of really think about it twice i would just kind of be like yeah man i believe in you whatever you want to do you know, versus going kind of like, okay, let me get in this with you. Let me feel this with you. Let me right. help help you make the best decisions for you. And ultimately right. it's your decision and whatever decision you come to, I'm going to be here, but, but ha- let me help you. Let me kind of get in this thing with you and, and feel this, you know, mm-hmm. feel this with you. So
2: mm-hmm.
1: yeah, yeah, man, I, I think, and I think it's important to let people do that for yourself too. I think that's been a new thing for me is you got to open the door and, to some people, some good people in your life, let them know where you want to go. Let them know what you're going through. Um, and allow them to speak to the different parts of your life, give them permission to do that. So, yeah. yes, I love that.
0: So just a few more questions. We're running out of time. Um, these will be really fun ones. Hopefully. Um, what are you currently obsessed with right now? Well,
1: actually I've been working, I'm working on a, um, On an EP right now, so I'm and it's gonna be a a a jazz covers EP. Yeah. So I've kind of just been going through all these old songs, and I'm I've been really just obsessed with all these American standard songs and rolling through different versions that I'm hearing and stuff. But my current obsession is probably Chet Baker. Man, I just love him. Mm. I love Chet Baker, dude. He's just (laughs) he's so cool and so different than pruners that i have kind of listened to yeah in the past so
0: uh, that's probably my current obsession right now is chet baker okay and uh what is beautiful in your world right now
1: what is beautiful it's summer in new york and after one of the <laughs> worst winters of my freaking life i can walk outside in shorts and a t-shirt And I'm so happy, man. And it's humid. And I love humidity. It's literally the best thing ever. I'm just thanking God for summer and I never want winter to come
0: back ever again. Right, right. I remember there was a moment, um, maybe a month ago or, or two months ago, where you guys in New York, like you had this day that was just like, perfect beautiful you were coming you were thinking that you were coming out of winter I think you guys went back after that but yeah I remember you like walking down a sidewalk on social on on Instagram you're showing this you're walking down the sidewalk and you were just so happy and I remember thinking in that moment uh I wish I can have that because like I'm in Florida so I don't necessarily get those moments of yes it's warm again you know I'm just like oh my gosh like can we just cool down you know for a day you know what i'm saying but like right there was so much happiness on your face that day. <laughs> well dude that was after months of misery
1: yeah so but yeah it's not worth it don't do it bro okay stay in florida <laughs> stay warm bro um no it, it was funny though that day because like my neighbors and like people i lived around like they hadn't like talked to me all winter. Like no one just even looks at each other because we're like just trying to get where we're going. But then like summer came and I was having conversations with people that I've never talked to ever before. It was like, it's really true. Like the sun comes out and people become better people. Like we're, we're all talking to each other, enjoying life. We were all in this together. Right. Of course, then it was 30 degrees again, two days later. But, uh, But yeah, man, it is is a joyous occasion, man, when the sun comes back out. So it's good. Good.
0: good. Okay, final question. If you had one minute to address the world, everyone was paying attention to you. No distractions. It's you and the world. What would you say to every single person on the planet?
1: I think I'd say you're not alone you know, that people have walked through what you're walking through right now. Um, People have felt what you're feeling right now. No matter how um, desperate and painful uh, the situation, you know, um, you can make it through. And um, I think nowadays there's just like this, I'm not going to give my speech now, I'm just going to talk about this. Uh, (laughs) But I I think nowadays there's just kind of like this feeling of like, what I'm going through is so uh, unique, especially in like kind of the mental space. It's just like uh, people think that they're the only one struggling. Uh, I think in the age of social media and all these things, yeah. Um, but really, there's every, everybody's going through stuff, and everybody um, is is working through things, and it and it's painful and it's hard. But I think knowing that other people are going through it too one lets you know that, you know, you're going to make it through on the other side. And two, lets you know that you're not weird. You're not, uh, an outsider. You're not, uh, so, so different, you know, we're all, we're all in this together. And, um, I just encourage people to just find people, reach out, talk to people, find people that love them, (laughs) find a church, man, get involved in a church, uh, a, a good church that, that loves people that that wants you to get involved, that wants to get in your life and in your business and and help you with it and love you through it. Um, yeah, man. I, I think my biggest message would just be that you know you're not alone, and everybody around you may seem like everything's perfect, but we're all we're all working through stuff, and none of us are perfect, and you know i think I, jesus has just changed my life in just that a way that i i'm able to love myself so much now yeah when i haven't been able to in the past and but still have hope that i can be better you know hope that i can be everything that he wants me to be and everything that i want to see in myself you know what i'm saying i, mm-hmm. I believe that i can work towards that every day and get better so it's probably not the most well thought out through speech in the world, but that's kind of just what's been on my mind. It's just that I lately is just, I want people to know that uh, people walk through what they're walking through before. And then there's hope on the other side. And I think there's so much today that we just, we're telling people they just have to stay where they are, you know, and, and, and live it with it, uh, whether it be depression or anything else like that. But I think there's hope, you know, there's yep. gotta be hope and we've got to spread hope and, and be hope. And yeah,
0: man, that's, that's kind of what has been on my mind lately. Yeah. I love that. Well, Des, again, um, thank you for being on the podcast. One of the things that I like to do is um, really share with the guest, uh the reason why I wanted them on the podcast. And I want to let you know, as silly as this sounds, um, in my in my home, my wife and I, every Christmas since you released it, we play "I'll Be Home for Christmas." Your cover. Oh my gosh, I love and, you, dude! And it's so it's <laughs> you know like it's just, it's a different it's a different uh, take on the song, and we we absolutely love it. But more so than that, Des, um, you know, a lot of my my view of you does come from what you, uh, what you share on social media. And I want to let you know that even though it may sometimes be silly or it may be, you know, it's just stuff that you're kind of walking through and, um, doing on a day-to-day basis. I want to let you know that it's inspiring this guy down here in St. Petersburg, Florida. I look at you, dude, and, Every single time that you're putting something out or you're you're talking about something, I'm just thinking, okay, I want to be I want to be better I want uh, I want to start enjoying life more uh, like like des does and at the end of the day, whenever I think about you des and and we pray for you a lot around here, um, I'm hoping I'm hoping that more and more people get to know you. I'm hoping that more and more people get to hear your voice and hear your craft man because i think it's impactful and it's powerful and i want to thank you uh for sharing that with uh with the world
1: never said to me dude <laughs> i love you bro thank you yeah for sure man for sure i'm done dude i can't hear any more of these nice things i hate nice things <laughs> dude no seriously holy crap man that but thank you thank you so much for saying that dude uh You've always been so encouraging to me, man. Just uh, messaging me and stuff like that. I just, I really appreciate it, dude.
0: Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Des Duran, everybody. I hope you really enjoyed that conversation. I hope you enjoyed listening to his songs from The Voice. Coming up, um, I'm going to let you hear my favorite rendition of I'll Be Home for Christmas, sung by Des Duran. Thank you so much for listening to the Altitude Collective. Be sure to rate and subscribe and share this podcast with all of your friends, all of your people, all of your day ones. Doing so will help this podcast be heard by so many others. Thank you so much. We will chat soon.
2: I'm dreaming just...